what does it mean to be chosen? It means to be a holy people treasured by God. What does it mean to be holy? What makes me holy? If I was born Jewish, I haven't done anything. I was born. That's it. Welcome to Trending Jewish. I am Rachel Burgess, and with me I have my fabulous colleague and co-host, Brian Schwartzman. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Brian. So we have a very hot topic, actually, today. That's very trend. I think this is pretty trendy from, um, you know, as, we're, as we've still been talking about years later after the Pew study came out, talking about... Um, the increase in interfaith marriage and um, the decrease in people affiliating with congregations and everybody's wondering what is happening to the Jewish people. And so you're getting all serious. I, I, I was just excited we got to play sort of movie critics today, but... See, I am really excited about <laughs> that too. <laughs> but um, a- absolutely. I mean, uh, we've got, we're... Uh, we, we, we're, we're I'm in- sorry to be such a Debbie Downer. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't, why don't we just why don't we just introduce our our, our guest and dive into it because there's so much so much to talk about about thirty different topics we could potentially get into so I'm I'm just I'm just gonna I'm gonna just launch into it um, today with us is Joshua Gippen a documentary filmmaker whose credits include the recently released The Chosen People a film about Jewish identity God as we understand Him a film about faith and the twelve step movement and The Bubba Briefs, A Biography of My Grandmother. He holds an MA in Latin and Caribbean Studies from the State University of New York in Albany, and he lives in Akron, Ohio, and is a member of the Reconstructionist congregation Cole Halev in Cleveland, and his films can be found at joshuatreevideo.com. So as, as the um, title of, of his most recent film suggests, we're going to be talking about chosenness and and what that means are jews the chosen people is this something we should even be thinking about how does that impact uh people in our in our families who aren't jewish so um so let's go welcome welcome joshua thanks for uh thanks for appearing with us uh, by phone in the studios of the reconstructionist rabbinical college thanks for having me glad to be here and this is, and you've actually been here before. I came all the way out here from Ohio to interview quite a few uh, Reconstructionist leaders, actually, for your documentary. Yes, that that was amazing. I could not believe some of the interviews that, just some of the stuff that came out in those interviews. Um, they were so different from one another and just brilliant. I mean, it's amazing. I sometimes wonder what I would have gotten if I'd interviewed different professors, because I know there were even, I interviewed three um, professors and Deborah Waxman, of course, the president. But I sometimes wonder what would have come up if I'd interviewed some different professors. It would have been cool to just interview like everybody. It was Jacob, Jacob, Rabbi Jacob Staub, Rabbi Nancy Fuchs Kramer. We you mentioned Deborah Waxman. Was there and there was there was another and, and Deborah Waxman. Right, right. No, right. that was. And, I guess it would be three, including Rabbi Waxman. Yeah. And you also, and so, I, yeah. I think what was also neat about your film as well was how many different voices that you were able to get. Um, 
But I, we'll get to that in a second. One of the things that I had noticed, I, I wasn't sure if this was a stylistic thing that you did when you were um, exploring this idea of chosenness. You, um, One of the things that I had noticed actually in your film is that your title changes. Um, your the description when your face pops up and you're narrating there your description changes at first you're the filmmaker and then you are a you are a cultural anthropologist so this was a three-year project that you were working on do you see like your identity change throughout those you know throughout this project or did it was that a progressive change or do you feel pretty much the same afterwards what was that like I am definitely changed, definitely transformed. Um, the title change had to do with wearing different hats. So I can put on my filmmaker hat, but at certain parts in, during the film, I was getting into topics that were a part of my expertise as a cultural anthropologist because I, I studied cultural anthropology at the University of Michigan. And even my graduate work at SUNY Albany was cultural anthropology based in Latin America. So when I was getting into topics like ethnocentrism, um, that was based on my expertise. So I, I just changed the title for that reason. I was kind of wearing that hat. But definitely that worldview, and I feel like I share that. In a sense, I think that's why I was drawn to the Reconstructionist movement and Reconstructionist worldview. I mean, the idea of the chosen people always bothered me and really didn't just bother me. I mean, it was like a deal breaker for me. And when I found out that I wasn't alone, that there was a whole fourth movement in Judaism, honestly, I didn't know about the Reconstructionist movement at all when I started this project. But I learned that, you know, um, Mordecai Kaplan also studied the social sciences and studied sociology. And if if I'm not getting my information wrong, I think that during his studies at Columbia, one of his professors was William Sumner, who coined the term ethnocentrism. So it was like, I think that that whole concept was really an important part of, of Kaplan's rejection of the chosen people idea. I so I just found that interesting because I felt innately that it was wrong. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I think that's a big piece of it. One of the... Parts of the films that that really stick out for me is is your conversation with um, Rabbi Art Green, who actually was the is the former president of of the Reconstructionist Rabbinical College. He looks at you and just said, "You you have a chip on your shoulder." I mean, this is this is something that really get gets at you. And 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 you're right to say that that the Reconstructionist movement has officially rejected this concept and changed changed some of the central prayers. But this is a topic that most Jews, I'm going to go out on a limb. Don't don't think about every day, even even right. Reconstructionists. And yet, it was almost like you you felt the need to to shake the tree and said, "People, think about this. This is serious." So what 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 was it about it that really really made this such a central topic deal breaker for you? Oh, sorry. Um, I I was just like I was watching him talk and <laughs> I was looking at Brian and going wait a minute, this isn't something that we don't talk about. I think this is actually probably a huge topic that um, that I think we think about. Because I remember watching your film and even thinking about the idea of chosenness, um, being a child from an interfaith marriage where my mother was Jewish and my father was Christian, that 
that this is this is a pretty this is a very big deal, especially during a time where we're worried about what is the next generation of Judaism looking like. So I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean wait, to wait, no, so. no room for different perspectives in Judaism, right? <laughs> no, but it surprises me that it's not a bigger deal. Um, I, I feel like within the Reconstructionist movement, everybody's comfortable. And I have to tell you, I feel right at home. I mean, when I found the Reconstructionist movement, it's like, well, this is where I belong because I can be Jewish and not feel upset about having this big burden of being one of the chosen people. Uh, for me, what bothered me, I was born Jewish. And I think, Brian, I heard from another podcast that all four of your grandparents were Jewish. That is same with me. That is true. All, yeah, all four of my grandparents were Jewish too, and so I'm ethnically Jewish, whatever that means. Okay, and I think that's a big part of it for me. Like, if I wasn't, if it wasn't that I was born that way, it may not be such a big deal. But I just felt it was so wrong to make such a grandiose claim based on kind of the luck of the draw, like just born into it. It's sort of like being born into royalty, you know? But on a broader level, I think, you know, when you say, what does it mean to be chosen? Um, let me see, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote, I'm going to do a Bible quote here. I don't do it very often, but here's a quote from Deuteronomy 14.2. It says, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a treasured people for him out of all the nations upon the earth. So what does it mean to be chosen? It means to be a holy people treasured by God. This is a really, really good thing, you know. Um, what does it mean to be holy? What makes me holy? If I was born Jewish, I haven't done anything. I was born. That's it. So what makes me holy? To me, that needs to be something that's earned. And what does it mean to be righteous? You know, these are things that have to do with our behavior. Are Jewish people more righteous than non-Jewish people? I think the answer to that is pretty clear. And, and there's a wonderful quote from Art Green. He says, you know, there are righteous people everywhere and there are bastards everywhere. In every religion and every ethnic group, you know, there are good and bad people and lots of people in between. And to me, that's, that kind of just cuts it, cuts to the core of it. Um, why is it wrong to me? Because it's, I think it's objectively false, you know, and I feel like especially now in the 21st century when there are, we're so polarized between religious people and scientific people and there's all of this confusion between what's literally true and what is missed and what fake news even, you know, is, is climate change even real? You know, did Sandy Hook even really happen? I mean, there are people that doubt whether the earth is even a sphere. They're still claiming that it's flat. Mm -hmm. And so I think we really, really, really need to be clear about what's true and what's not true. And when we make a claim like this, that we are holy, that the Jewish people are a holy people, well, what are we saying about the rest of the world? If we're holy... Does that mean that they're unholy? I think that's very hurtful, very damaging, and I don't know how to get around that. I don't think Kaplan did either. You know, a lot of things were reinterpreted, and this is one of those things that no matter how many, 
I, t- I talked to a lot of different people, Reform and Orthodox and conservative Jews and Christians and all kinds of non-Jews and atheists, and it's really, really clear what it means. And people try to dance around it and say, well, it doesn't really mean that, it just means... But, but, but if you're saying that you are the chosen people of God, a holy people treasured by God, um, it's really not... There's not much room for interpretation. I mean, I really, so, I, I definitely... I know, that, that in a nutshell, yeah. I mean, I really appreciate um, that you really brought to the fore something that I, I personally just kind of never really, really took seriously. But, I mean, what I've, what I've struggled with personally in, in all, all the years I've, I've been trying to understand what it means to be Jewish is, is, is sort of the, the universalist and the particular trends within within Judaism. I feel like to the extent I've been able to investigate, it seems it seems like a tie to me and there's no clear answer as to whether whether we're we're we're, you know, our first concern of all humanity or whether we should as Jews be concerned about Jews first and, and if, if that's the case, what does that you know, what does that mean for everybody else? I mean, is this is this a question you've you've struggled with? Is it related to your question, or or is it something something you you know that's that 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 you're clear on? Like, of course, we we care about you know everybody equally. I mean, uh... I think it's one of those things that's both. I think that we are implicitly taking care of one another as Jews and ensuring our own survival when we look outward at the rest of the world and when we care about the rest of the world um, because they're going to care about us and love us. You know, I, I looked at it historically, and I just want to mention, you know, in this interview, I'm really sharing my personal beliefs. Um, I, it was really hard for me, but I really tried to get past my own biases and leave room for a lot of other voices in the film. So if you watch the film, you're going to hear a much more balanced <laughs> talk on chosenness and much more just kind of factual and with varied opinions. Um, but I feel like today this is kind of behind the scenes and I can share my beliefs. Um, but what I found and what I believe historically is that when we, when we say we're chosen, we are separating ourselves. What it means to be chosen, it means to separate ourselves. In the same way you we separate Shabbat from the rest of the week as being a holy day. We separate ourselves from the rest of society as being a holy people. And when we separate ourselves, that has really serious implications. And I think that it's had serious implications throughout history. Then again, we, ha- we have to say, well, if we don't separate ourselves, what does that mean? Does that mean we're assimilating? Are we assimilating into the mainstream culture? I mean, obviously, we don't want to assimilate to the point where we're Christians <laughs> or Muslims. Um, we want to continue to be Jewish, of course. But I think we need to be Jewish, or at least I do, I, I need to be Jewish in a way that is together with the rest of humanity. And I can't sit here and say that I'm more holy than my Christian or my Muslim or my atheist <laughs> brothers and sisters, you know, because they, I, I've lived with Jews and non-Jews my whole life, and I've known wonderful, wonderful people who are Jewish and who are non-Jewish. Who am I to say, how can any of us say that we know uh, what, what God wants of us? You know, each day we have to make hard decisions about what's right. 
And so every, we all just do the best we can. I mean, that's the bottom line. We're just people. People are people. One of the things that struck me, especially that you talk about actually in the beginning of your film was when you were embarking on this project, there were a bunch of different voices that were attacking you and calling you anti-Semitic and they were calling yeah. you a kinder, like a kindergartner and even um, yeah. Rabbi, Rabbi Green says, you know, you have a chip on your shoulder and I couldn't help even myself feeling very, yeah. um, feeling very emotional watching your documentary as well. And I'm kind of curious from your perspective and from this journey that you've been on and the fact that you have, you interview, and like you said, you interviewed a lot of different voices. You interviewed people from an entire spectrum of Judaism. It wasn't just the Reconstructionist movement. You you reached out to a wide variety of different voices. And you weren't even just talking to the Jewish community. You were also talking to the Christian and Muslim communities as well, and, um, and atheist and so on. And um, so what is it about this particular topic gets people so riled up and so emotional and you have experienced kind of being the target of some of that emotion. Yeah, I do. I do have a chip on my shoulder, I guess. I mean, I think I've come to appreciate that Jewish people who feel that they are chosen channel that into really, really positive behaviors and, you know, the whole idea of being a light unto the nations or a blessing unto the nations um, can be channeled into philanthropy and social action. So I think the transformation for me was in becoming more accepting of other Jews that continue to feel this way, that we're chosen by God and, you know, that we're servants of God and all of that. I appreciate that. But I do feel, in a sense, that I'm on a crusade, sort of, and... It's like, I sort of, okay, so related to climate change or anything, any other social issue or environmental issue. I mean, if if I feel very strongly that the science on this is right and that the climate is changing based on human action and, you know, what were the pollution that we're creating and all that, then if I'm going to do something about it, I'm going to be an activist and I'm going to stand up and do something about it, you know, and especially in the face of people that are like, ah, what are you talking about? There's nothing going on. Everything's fine. Just settle down, you know? Like, it seems like you've got a chip on your shoulder. <laughs> Anytime you get upset about something and feel strongly about something. Um, and in this particular case, it's kind of even a little bit ironic because I what I, what I tend to get upset about is religious fundamentalism. You know, those who believe so strongly that they're the chosen people, whether they're Christians, whether they're Muslims or Jewish or any other. Um, I see that as as kind of the, the big problem with this is that it can lead to extreme actions, terrorist actions. You know, if you believe so strongly that you're doing something in the name of God um, and you just know for sure because your belief is so strong, that's very dangerous. So what about me? I feel very strongly about this. Now, mine is coming more from the social scientific perspective, but I feel very strongly from a social scientific perspective that this is wrong (laughs) and that 
this has been the source of a lot of misery for the Jewish people for a very long time. And, you know, I, I'm trying so hard to be like the good journalist and let all the sides have a voice. But deep down, I really would love to see this change. You know, I, I think about the Reconstructionist movement as pioneers. You know, I think about the first bat mitzvah, uh, Kaplan's daughter having the first public bat mitzvah. And then the reform movement instituted the bat mitzvah. That's wonderful. And the same thing with patrilineal descent, you know, um, reconstructionists were pioneers, you know, So what about the chosen people? I mean, this is something that was a settled issue from the very beginning with, with Kaplan. I mean, going back to the twenties and thirties, but it never caught on. It never caught on with the reform movement. It never caught on with the conservative movement. Now, I understand that Orthodox Jews will never change because that's kind of their role within the fabric of Jewish society. But I would love to see the reform movement and the conservative movement, you know, at least open their eyes to this a little more. I also wonder if, like, some of the things that I was saying, and your your documentary is very, I mean, as a documentary should, but it was um, one of the things is that it was very, it goes through a very long history of, or it goes through the history of the Jewish people and it's very visual. And one of the things that I w- was thinking about was all of the trauma that has happened to the Jewish people. Like this is something um, of all of the traits that the Jewish people have shared, unfortunately, one of them is a shared trauma. And I think that there is that part of this narrative of chosenness is also, you know, we like a survival of trauma. So do you think that that's that um, even post Judaism as a civilization? um, Do you think that these traumatic events make us a make us a you know something chosen or is it fair to take away yeah. this idea that you know we're special because we survived a lot of different genocides and holocausts and um wars and these very traumatic events and and we're still here so does taking away chosenness um take away one of the things that's been kind of getting us through all of these different traumatic events throughout our history. It's so important what you say. It's so true. Um, that I think among the interpretations of what it means to be the chosen people, that's like, there are two big ones, you know, the first being that if we are chosen and we follow God's commandments, that we will be protected and we will be favored and we will be able to be plentiful and reproduce and our crop will grow and all this. And then the other big one is that being chosen by God is a burden and that it means hardship. It means, yes, we will undergo great hardships, but in the world to come, we will be redeemed. And whether that means in heaven or in future generations in the messianic era, and that is a very, very, very prominent interpretation of what it means to be chosen. I guess I'm wondering on a on a more on a less you know metaphysical on on a more personal level. If um, I know you've said like like so many so many Jews of our generation, you're you're you've chosen a, a non-Jew as 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 your as your life partner. Um, what 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 impact has has that had on on your thinking on your approach to these issues on the whole? 
topic of Judaism and, and ethnicity? On ethnicity, it's interesting. Uh, you know, part of what we were taught in anthropology, in cultural anthropology, was that race is a cultural construct. It's not a physical, you can't trace different races, and certainly not Jews. I mean, we're so varied, and we've been intermarrying for so many, many millennia, you know. But it still exists as the way people understand the Jewish people. Uh, my wife always thought of me as being Jewish, and I guess in my case, I, I my four grandparents were all Jewish, and I happen to look more ethnically Jewish, I guess. Very Eastern European. But, <laughs> it's the beard, right? Yeah. It's the beard. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> Watch, he um, shaves so it wife, after this. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess she, in some ways, made me feel more Jewish than I did prior, because I was kind of um, a curiosity to the whole family. <laughs> they... And I, I would call them kind of like, um, what do you call it, like Judeophiles? Like they love Jewish people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever met people like that. My Well, my father, I actually was a child from an interfaith marriage where my mother's Jewish and my father isn't. So um, so genetically or in, in a lot of this peoplehood uh, conversation, I count as part of the tribe. But, but my father was the same way. He felt that... Um, he felt that when we celebrated Passover, he participated in all of those um, different holidays because he said, oh, well, Jesus was Jewish and you're Jewish. Mm. And Jesus gave um, us Gentiles a way to um, be closer to God um, in a way that Jews were able to. And um, he gave us an ability to have that closeness to God. And um, what you're doing is basically what Jesus did, and so he would he would get really mm-hmm. excited about coming to the to these different um, participating in the holidays and things like that. So I definitely I get that. Yeah, yeah, and but it's funny though. Like it would make me a little uncomfortable too because they would heap some of these stereotypes on me, <laughs> even though they were positive stereotypes. So they'd be like, "Oh, you know, you can do the books because you're good with money." <laughs> right. Or you be a great lawyer or, or a doctor. Or like, you know, because I was Jewish, I was automatically funny. And like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Woody Allen. Like they would say, oh, you remind me of Woody Allen, you know? I, I don't know. It just, it always made me a bit more aware of my Jewish identity because they would point out things and they would look at me as being different. And I was different. I am different, you know? That's fine. I am. Different because I you're Jewish or really, just really different because you're different? different because I'm Jewish. Uh, you know, my my whole heritage is Jewish, and I happen to take after my, like, my bubba. I, you know, I think Brian mentioned I did a whole film on my bubba, and so that's a certain brand of Jew- Jewish. I mean, if you look at my bubba, she was part of the civil rights movement, the anti-war movement, the labor movement. Uh, her father was a communist, and so very much... Uh, left wing and very and and atheist. I mean, I come from um, a lot of atheists and agnostics in my family, but it's totally Jewish. I mean, it's just a certain. I mean, there are different kinds of Jewish, right? But I don't know. It's I, I've become a lot more comfortable in my own skin, and I think that's been a very nice 
silver lining of working on this film is that I'm totally comfortable in my Jewish skin, whereas it made me so uncomfortable before. And I'm also actively practicing Judaism, and I love my family at Kol Halev, and I'm also a part of the broader Jewish community. Um, that's all been wonderful, a wonderful part of exploring these issues and exploring the positive side of, for me, the, the positive side of all of this is the covenant. And if you watch the film, I don't want to have a spoiler here, but, <laughs> you know, it culminates in a discussion about covenant. And that's really what's wonderful about all this. And what I, I embrace is that covenant, that commitment um, to try to leave the world better than I found it. So, so yeah, I don't know. I probably got off track there, but. <laughs> so we're actually um, beginning to run out of time and um, I, I don't, um, I don't know if Brian, you want to ask the last question. I have a question as well, but. Have at it. Go ahead. Okay. So, um, so one of the things that I actually, thank you, Brian. So one of the things that I actually came across uh, not too long ago, I was having a conversation with somebody actually out in Chicago and um, we were talking about, um, interfaith and kind of kind of going into chosenness and things like that and i'm kind of curious from your perspective now that um this idea of chosenness if we take that out of the picture um and then you yourself are in in interfaith marriage and you have children of your own who are absolutely adorable spoiler alert you'll see them in the film um so what is the fate of the Jewish people if you take oh, chosenness? The fate? Yeah, what's what's that? Oh my goodness. What is it now that I you take that be... out of the picture? The the chosenness factor. I mean, yeah, I mean I think that would be a wonderful wonderful development in Judaism. I'm not scared of that at all. That doesn't scare me at all. Um I'm very involved in the interfaith community here in Akron. I'm part of the Akron Interfaith Council and I've screened the film to many non-Jews, and I found that they absolutely love it. Um, they see it as a mirror on their own faith, their own interpretations of chosenness. You know, um, we're doing a screening at the United Church of Christ, where they want to listen to me talking about um, chosenness in Judaism, and then they want to follow up with a discussion of chosenness in Christianity and the problems that that has caused, um, and really a broader discussion about religious exclusivity. And so I, I see this, and you know, he said something that offended me, the guy that's helping to host this screening. He said, you know, he was joking with me, and he said, well, we, bl we blame the Jews for so many things, but this is something we really can blame the Jews for, because the Jews started this whole idea of the chosen people. Hmm. And then the Christians picked it up, and then the Muslims picked it up. But, you know, I was offended, but then I was like, well, we were the first religion that was the parent religion, kind of, or at least the sister religion. And then, you know, the song came in my head. Um, you know the song, We Didn't Start the Fire? Yes. It was all burning since the world's been burning. Oh, Billy Joel. Yeah. We didn't light it, but we're trying to fight it. And then I thought, this is a fire that we did light. And isn't it appropriate that we be the ones to put out the fire? Isn't it all just ego anyway? It's it's just saying it's it's just saying whether it's ethnocentrism or egocentrism. It's uh, to me, 
it would be to finish the conversation I had with Art Green when he told me I had a chip on my shoulders. I My response was, because this doesn't come out in the film, it's got thrown out, but because I got really upset when he said that. And, um, but my response was, look at the shift from polytheism to monotheism that really defines the birth of Judaism. That was a major, major shift. And I'm sure a lot of people were scared to make that leap to an entirely different theology, but we can't be scared. We can't be afraid. We just have to do what's right. Well, thank you so much for your amazing work and to and also for being with us today. So um, definitely recommend everybody check out your film, um, the chosen Pe- the chosen people. So um, which I think you have available on your website and also on Vimeo as well. Yeah, it's um, the website is chosenpeoplefilm.com. Great. Then thank you so much. And it's definitely a compelling, uh, compelling view. We recommend uh, folks check it out. Right. And um, we definitely would like to hear your thoughts on the topic as well, though we hope we keep it civil, but would love to know what all of you think about this idea of chosenness. Is this something that you think about? Is this something that you've talked about in your family? Um, you know, please let us know. Um, we are on Facebook, so you can see us at uh, facebook.com slash trending Jewish. Um, for more resources and also a link to Josh's website and as well as his biography, you can visit our website at um, trendingjewish.fireside.fm. And people can email us, right? Yes, you can also email us at rrc, or at info at rrc.edu. Please do. We'd love to. We'd love to hear. This is uh, this has been fun. Great. Right.